Good morning, Crossroads. It's great to see everyone. Thank you all for being here. For those of you who are watching and joining us online this morning, would you please drop a line in the comments? Let us know that you're watching with us this morning. Uh, for those of you not joining, would you please stand and worship with us?
Amen. You may be seated, please. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Man, let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. We are so thrilled that you're here today, and we're looking forward to the many great things that God is going to be doing here at the church, and uh, He is doing great things already. Can I have just a little bit more on this, all right? And uh, we're just so thankful for all that He's doing and what you get to be a part of here at the church. Just a few announcements, if you'll take your bolts, and I want to direct you to just a few things. Coming up here, we have the Thanksgiving Eve service. You'll see that is on the night before Thanksgiving, Wednesday evening. Now, I know you're not used to coming on a Wednesday evening and having a service. We have smaller groups typically on Wednesday. But on that Wednesday, we'll all be together in here, and we're going to just have a time of sharing and blessing. Uh, we're going to thanks, thank the Lord. We're going to have a time of communion. And I want to invite you to be here. It'll, it'll go from 7 to about 8 o'clock or 8.10, right in that range there. And uh, we're just going to have a great, great time together. And I always encourage our church family, come on out with your church family. Because the next day you're going to spend the whole day with your family at home, right? And so uh, you won't have any pumpkin pie here on Wednesday night. You can have that all at your home the next day. But I want to encourage you to, uh, to just come on out and have a good time with us as we share the blessings of the Lord. And then uh, you'll notice there there's a, a whole lot of things happening here. We're uh, um, on our Operation Christmas Child. That uh, The collection has begun. If you brought your box today, you can go over by the coat rack and, and give them your box. Starting tomorrow, there'll be a truck outside, and you can bring them up. You'll see the times inside the bulletin that you can bring your boxes up and drop them off to the truck outside. And then next Sunday, that truck will still be here. So if you if you have a few boxes that you filled up, bring them back by next Sunday, and, uh, and we'll get them on the truck, and that'll be going on to the next location. Um, uh, there are boxes still in the foyer. Feel free to take one or two or 20, all right? Enjoy that and have a good time. Today, there's a packing party in our gymnasium. So if you say, hey, I could come up and help pack boxes, they went out and they got a tremendous deal on some supplies. Uh, somebody in our church works retail and was able to give them a tremendous discount like it almost nothing and that gym has got a ton of supplies over there and they're hoping to pack several hundred boxes this afternoon that's from three o'clock to five o'clock so if you are able to help with that just come into our gymnasium you go out the front door take a left the the newer looking building over there that we just refurbished that's our gymnasium you go into there at three o'clock and from 3 to 5, you'll be able to help pack the boxes. And uh, it's a good day to come and pack boxes at 3 because I heard that our quarterback is not starting today anyhow. All right? So come on up at 3 o'clock and help pack boxes. By then, you know the game will be over. So anyhow, I just want to encourage you to be here and, uh, and, and come on out and enjoy the day here. That will be a good time with the church family. I know that those folks that are organizing it, are super excited. Uh, you talk to Deb Metcalf. She is just on a high about this nonstop. And she thanks God for our church and the support that you all have given to the Operation Christmas Child. So I want to encourage you with that. And then uh, notice also we have the Ernie Haas concert coming up. A jazzy little Christmas that's in your bulletin there. I want to encourage you to hand us out, invite somebody. It's really early in the Christmas season, December 2nd and 3rd, but that's the only date that we could get them here. That's a Thursday and a Friday. If you would like to get a ticket for that, you can go out again by the 
the coat rack area. Uh, Alicia Peterson will help you get a ticket today, or you can go online and you can get your tickets online. We're thrilled to have him. He's a, a, a Grammy-nominated, Dove Award-winning uh, 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 gospel group here, and we're so thrilled to have them, and we're looking forward to that. That'll be December 2nd and 3rd. Again, our mission here is to bring people to Christ. So I want to encourage you, bring somebody who needs Jesus. Yeah, I want you to come and have a good night. You'll get ready for Christmas yourself. But bring a friend. Pray about who can I invite. We've got the discount code on there uh, so that you can get your tickets for only $10. Listen, that's a deal, an incredible deal. But uh, we're doing that because our mission is to bring people to Jesus. And so we want to help you do everything to bring somebody to Christ. So I want to encourage you, sign, sign yourself up. Bring a friend. It'll be a great, great evening. You won't want to miss that. And then uh, you'll notice also we have our birthday gift to Jesus list. You're going to hear about this every Sunday for the rest of the year here, all right? And uh, if, uh, I want to encourage you to take it out and look at that list and begin to pray about this. Our goal here uh, for, with, the, with the birthday gift of Jesus, we ask our church family to make Jesus the number one gift on your list. Give him the greatest gift. It's Jesus' birthday. And what happens is many times people come along and we get, we get all excited about Christmas and we give everybody else a gift but Jesus. And so we've, uh, we've come from a long, long tradition here of learning how to make Jesus number one. And I would encourage you to do that because it really is a powerful, powerful time whenever you can uh, give Jesus the most. And you make him the top of your list, not the bottom or an afterthought. And it just changes everything. As you look at this list here, I want to encourage you to begin to pray. Every week you're going to see uh, they're, they're highlighting a few pictures of some of the people that are on the list. So you can get to know the people that are on the list. And then uh, you can also look through the list here, and you'll see different people. Last week I was away with the Timothy Initiative, uh, the group that is planting churches all over the world. Their big focus right now is in Nepal, Myanmar, India, places like that. And they are planting churches at an incredible rate. So as we give to them, every $300 that we give to them plants one church. So we're going to be planting 15 churches with them. Isn't that exciting? Thank God for that. 15 churches in Nepal. Amen? And we are going to look forward to doing even more than that in the future. But as we begin, that group goes in and they say, hey, there's no church and now we want to put a church in every village. And I'm going to tell you more about that in the days to come because I am just super excited about what they're doing. And I've learned so much and, and got to see and hear firsthand what God is doing. Uh, today we have with us uh, some missionaries to, the, to our Jewish, uh, a Jewish population here in Pittsburgh. And I want to ask the uh, Bergs, Jeff and Arlene Berg, if you'll come up. And I think I have Mike Six here. Let's see here. I don't know. Let me see if this is going. There you go. All right. There you go. I'm going to ask them just to share from here. Jeff and Arlene have been participating in our church for the last year or so. We're thankful to have them in our church family. Uh, we, have, we have supported them for 30 years or more on this birthday gift to Jesus list. And uh, they are doing a wonderful work right here in Pittsburgh to reach people for Jesus. So as they share, would you welcome this morning Jeff and Arlene Berg. Thank you, thank you. Boy, it's so wonderful to be with you and just to thank you for your giving your part in the ministry all those years. And God is doing great things because of your part in the ministry. You may not see it, but he is. 
And uh, we just want to thank you for that as we have a couple Yiddish clubs. We go into Jewish facilities. We have hospice visits now. We're hospice chaplains, which um, is quite an opportunity to be with them when they're in their last days. We also visit with Jewish people on a one-to-one basis outside of the facilities. And um, even in the facilities, God is giving us opportunities. But thank you so much for your part in what God is doing um, in Pittsburgh here. And even a little bit when we go back to Cleveland, because we have people there that we love, we've ministered to. Yeah, being that this is our this is our home church, and when you think of Crossroads Ministries as our home church, and a home church for a, a missionary or missionaries like us, you're the base of operations for spiritual warfare. That's what it's all about, and you wouldn't get over it. But when we talk with different ones in the community, community leaders, and so on, they'll ask, "Where do you go to church?" And we get a chance to tell them all the good things of what Crossroads Ministries is all about. And ultimately, it's all about Jesus. And just recently, when you were preparing for your uh, trunk or treat night, we were in Shunley Park uh, with about a couple thousand Jewish people as they remembered the third anniversary of the Tree of Life shooting. God providentially helped us to meet uh, one of the survivors and his wife. And it was really, really moving and touching. And we were able to give them spiritual comfort, encouragement. Uh, being a first-time visit, we were just praying that uh, God will bring them uh, back into our lives. We, The church also has supported the ambulance project for a number of years. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, all we need to raise is $10,600, and we will have a dedication for it as it goes to Israel. And then on the table, we have a little uh, display table talking about the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Uh, their, their big magazine is Israel My Glory. The current issue is the Forbidden Chapter, Isaiah 53, Connecting with Christmas. And we have other uh, pieces of literature and a prayer card, and ultimately, if you're really interested, you can sign up for our newsletter, and uh, we would love the more the better to pray for us. But uh, it's always a joy to be with you every Sunday when we can be here, and you people are great and loving and a big encouragement to us. Thank you. We, th- we thank God for the Bargs and their ministry that they have, and, uh, and just uh, they're with the Friends of Israel ministry, and we, we are Friends of Israel, and we thank God for their, what God is doing out there in the world. So I want to encourage you, stop by their table, encourage them, and uh, sign up for their email, sign up, and just, uh, just let them know. Pray also for that ambulance fund. We, we have been supporting that for a number of years. We want to finish that thing off. So I know there's a couple other people that have, many other people have given to that beyond our church. We're just a small part in that fund, but we want to see that thing get over there and, uh, and, and move on. So let's, uh, let's just continue to pray. And let's pray for all these goals. There's so many things that God is doing all around the world. It's, uh, God's work is bigger than we are. You know, this morning, Pastor Jim is speaking up in Shaw, uh, in, uh, where, where, where's, he lives in Shawley. He's in Newcastle with his son's church. 
because his son had an opportunity to go on a small trip to the country of Turkey, if you can believe that. And so he's over there with uh, with some real gospel opportunities that, that they saw over there. So I want to encourage you to be in prayer. So, you know, that's how I got Jim to speak last week. I said, Jim... You know, if you speak here while I'm away, then you can reuse that again up there in Newcastle. Can we thank God for Pastor Jim? What a wonderful week last week, huh? Pastor, Pastor Jim uh, is always always a home run, and I know you love him, and uh, we're so thankful for the ministry that he was able to do this last weekend. Thank you for praying for me as I was away. I had to had to go all the way to Florida for a missions conference. And uh, some people thought I was in Nepal. I can't believe that. I was not in Nepal. I was in Naples, not Nepal, okay? So <laughs> it, was, it sounds very similar. But we are planting churches in Nepal, and I do have an opportunity to go on a vision, on a vision trip to Nepal in the coming months. So we're going to be looking forward to that. And uh, so I want you to be, be praying about this. God is doing some incredible things. And uh, let's just pray and give as God supplies. Amen? I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You can give through the offering boxes on the wall here in the auditorium or in the foyer, through the mail or online. And we're so thankful for all of the faithfulness of God's people throughout these, this last year. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you're doing. You're moving in some powerful ways, Lord. I thank you for our, our friends here, the, the Bergs, Lord, Jeff and Arlene. We're thankful that they could be a part of our church family this last two years and that this could be their base of operations. Lord, uh, I thank you that uh, that's what the church is here for, is to, to open up its doors and to multiply, to see people come to Christ, to see, see you move in powerful ways. Lord, I ask you to put your hand upon the Bergs, Lord, as they go out and even in their hospice ministry, Lord, to bring people to Christ in their, in their final days, Lord. God, I pray that uh, you'll just open up the, the floodgates of heaven as we take out the good news of Jesus and share it with people. We take it beyond these walls, take it out of here and go into our community. Lord, for all these missionaries on this list, we lift them up to you, Lord. There are there are so many needs, Lord. We think of our, our missionaries in Haiti and Ecuador and Philippines. We think of the church planters in, in Nepal. We, th- we think of all these uh, just hundreds and hundreds of people that are being touched by the, by the gifts of our church, Lord. And we just ask, God, that you'll use us in a mighty way, Lord. We realize, Lord, that this goal this year is, is beyond us. It's bigger than us. And so, Lord, we're taking a faith step. And uh, as we just slowly watch you provide, God, we know that you are faithful and uh, we're, we're seeking to, to do your will and your work. So, God, I ask that you'll be upon your people, Lord, as they meet with you, as they ask for your provi- provisions, Lord, and you provide for them so that uh, they may honor you and bless you. God, uh, be with us now as we continue to worship you and open your word and, and, and just uh, enjoy your presence here with our church family. In your name we pray. Amen.
Today we're picking up again in our <clears throat> series, Remarkable, and going through the journey of the life of Jesus. And as we do, uh, I'm going to remind you of us two, actually three weeks ago, we had, uh, two weeks ago we had Eric McIlvenny, last week Pastor Jim, and today we're coming back here. So three weeks ago we were in Mark chapter 10 and we looked at blind Bartimaeus and we saw that this was, this was the end of the ministry of Jesus. The public ministry was coming to an end. As a matter of fact, he was coming to the final week. And so if you go into Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11 gives you the first 11 verses give you the story that we know as Palm Sunday. And we looked at that much earlier in the year on Palm Sunday. We looked at that story there and how Jesus came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And people were praising him. People were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. And so they had an expectation of Jesus and so they wanted him to be the king, and they wanted him to be the king now. The problem was that Jesus is the king, but he wasn't the king that was going to look like they wanted him to look like. He was the king that was going to go through the cross. They didn't understand the cross. They couldn't see the valley. All they could see was the, the mountaintop. And as they would go through the Old Testament, they would recall all the scriptures of the Old Testament with the mountaintop experience, that Jesus is the king and that he would rule and that he would reign. But they didn't understand Isaiah 53, that he must be a suffering servant. And so as we look here today at Mark chapter 11, we are seeing just a few final teachings that Jesus does just before he ends up going to the cross. And so we're going to take this week and next week and we're going to look at a few of those final teachings. Then we're going to pause and go for a holiday break because we've got the Christmas series coming up here. And, uh, and then when we, we will get back to the final chapters there. But I want you to catch this here today because there's some powerful teachings. So Jesus has just come off the high of Palm Sunday. He's looking at the people on, on Palm Sunday. He looks out at the people and John tells us that he cried. He wept uncontrollably over the city of Jerusalem because he knew their unbelief. And so today we pick up in Mark chapter 11, verse 12, on the next day, so this is on Monday, on the next day when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. So I love how Mark gives you some of these little details. You know, this is God. He's 100% God, 100% human. He was hungry. And as he's hungry, look here, he continues on seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf. He wanted to see if perhaps it would find anything he would find anything on it and when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs so it wasn't the season for the figs to actually be on the trees and but he's hungry he's looking for a fig and look what happens there very interesting he said to this fig tree may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples were listening now when you think about this you say what is going on here why would Jesus condemn this fig tree? What, what's the big deal? Was he that hungry that he had to condemn the fig tree? No, there was something bigger that was happening here. And let me explain a little bit about the fig tree first here, okay? I'm no arborist, all right? Maybe you are, but I'm no arborist. And, um, and I know that many, many people in our, in, in our church family uh, are much more knowledgeable with those things than I am. I had one guy in our community, he came up. He was telling me about the trees in my, in my backyard. And he went and said, you know, your tree, this is the time to cut your tree. You can't just, you can't just prune that tree anytime because if you prune certain trees at, at the wrong time, you actually hurt the tree. And I never knew that. 
And so he was saying, oh, yeah, your tree you can prune right now, but the neighbor's tree, I can't prune that now. But I can come back three months from now. That'll be in more of a season. I was just like blown away when you hear this. So I was looking up the fig tree, and I said, well, what was the big deal? Why did Jesus condemn this tree? Because there was no fruit. It was, and Mark tells us here, it wasn't the season for fruit. Well, what would happen was any fig tree that would produce fruit would go through a cycle. They would produce fruit. And then on the other side of the cycle, it would produce leaves before the next fruit. But before that, it would produce a smaller uh, almond-like size of a a fruit that would go on a tree. So let me just show you. This first picture is a picture of uh, of a fig leaves on a tree. And so Jesus comes over and he sees the fig tree like this. And for you and I, we're saying, well, there is no fruit. It's not, you know, it's not the time. It's the wrong season for the fruit to appear. But let me show you the next picture here. This next picture shows these little fruits. There was little almond-sized fruit that would come on. And so what would happen in the cycle of the fig? You would have the leaf, you would have the fig, and then, you know, of course, the tree sheds and starts the cycle all over again. What would happen was there would be a diamond, diamond, I keep saying diamond, I don't know why I'm getting diamonds on the mind today, right? Almond, a little almond-sized fruit that would come on there, and it would just be like a small little baby fig. I think it's called a, uh, a, 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 a Breba fig. And so the Breba fig would appear, and so it was not the fruit, but it was like the precursor to the leaf even. And so when the leaves were on, you would see the leaf and the, and the Breba, and then later on the fig would appear. So when G- travelers would walk by, they would, they'd be hungry and they would just snack on this. And they would just take a little snack and look for that. So when Jesus walks by, there's no, not even the little braver. So what that tells us is that this tree, uh, we'll go back to the picture before, the tree that we have here that Jesus is looking at has no fruit on it, has no braver, has no evidence of fruit. It just looks good. And the only evidence of fruit is the leaves, and the, the leaves look great. So what he was saying was, hey, listen, uh, this tree looks good, but it has really got a problem at the root. And so when Jesus condemns this tree, what he was actually doing, he was condemning Israel. You see, if you go to Psalm chapter 80, you'll see that Israel was, uh, was known as a fig tree. The vineyard and the fig tree in, in, uh, in uh, Psalm chapter 80. So what he was saying is that, listen, they look good on the outside, but on the inside they got a root problem. They are really good. They could do all the forms of worship. They knew how to come up and, uh, and, and go through the rituals. They knew how to do everything. As a matter of fact, this is the Passover season. And as it's Passover season, Jesus uses this fig tree as, a, as, as an object lesson. We're going to come back to that fig tree, but I want you to catch this because as Jesus goes into the town, he did this, the disciples all took note, and, you know, what's going on here? So they goes into the temple now, verse 15. Then he came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. He continues on here, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he continues on, and he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise throughout the temple. So what happened was Jesus comes into the temple area, and he gets angry. And he has this righteous anger. 
And in his righteous anger, he comes in and he sees what is happening and he overturns the tables. Can, can you just imagine him coming in and just overturning, upsetting the way that you were doing things? Oh, doesn't Jesus kind of do that in our life? He upsets the way you want to do things, doesn't he? And so Jesus came in and he was overturning the tables. And as he's overturning the tables, he, everything's getting upset. But here's what was going on. Look what Jesus did. Jesus didn't, it wasn't just a fit of rage here. Um, Jesus was uh, 100% God, 100% man. So he was angry and yet without sin. So, you know, I, I've told people before that, I, you know, I have, uh, I, I have anger, but I have a hard time being angry and not sinning, Right? As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us to be angry and do not sin. So, there are, you know, that's something I haven't mastered yet. Uh, but Jesus did. He came in and he was able to overturn these tables and he made his point. And then he does something very interesting here. Verse 17 says that he began to teach. And I don't know why, but I've heard this story all my life and I've heard about Jesus overturning the tables and, and on, you know, right after Palm Sunday. And why did I miss this that he began to teach? Uh, I want you to catch it. He pulls up his seat and he stops and he begins to teach. Remember from the very first chapter we saw that his mission was to come to teach. And not just to teach knowledge, but to transform you. Teach you how to be transformed by Christ himself. So he began to teach and he said, and he quotes the scripture. He says from the Old Testament, it isn't not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. My house will be a house of prayer for all nations, but look what you guys have done. And so was there any problem with them selling the sacrifices? They they would come and they would have the, they would have the, these lambs. It was Passover season. There were hundreds of thousands of people that were coming in from out of town, would converge on this little city of Jerusalem. And as they converged on that little city of Jerusalem, here's what happened. These people, they couldn't travel with their sacrifice. They couldn't come from their long way with their sacrifice, so they made it convenient. And they said, we'll set up. And so what what is the problem with that? So Jesus comes here, and let me share with you the problem. Here's the problem. The temple was laid out. There were certain areas for certain people in the temple. You had the Holy of Holies. That was the the most inner sanctum of the temple. That's where the priest would go in and make atonement for your sin. You would bring the sacrifice, and one day a year on, on Yom Kippur, right, on the Day of Atonement, he would walk in there behind the curtain, and he would make his sacrifice. And as he would make the sacrifice for the nation of Israel, it was known as the Day of Atonement. So you had that. And nobody could get in there, but, but the high priest, it was a very select person, could get into there. And then the next area that you had, you had this area known as the, the Court of Men. This is where the Jewish men could be. Then you had the Court of Women. That's where the Jewish women could be. And then you had the Court of Gentiles. And do you realize what was happening here? God had, when he had called Abraham and said, I will make you a great nation, his, uh, the original goal was for Abraham to, to be a great nation, not just so that he would be great, but so that God would be great. Like, so that he would be great and that all nations through Abraham would hear about redemption, the redemption story. And so what happened was Israel gets going and Israel gets really good at the sacrifices. They get really good at the ritual. They get really good at doing all the outward conformity. 
And so they were like the fig tree. They had great leaves. But you know what they were rejecting? They were rejecting Jesus. They were rejecting the very fruit that was to come. And so when Jesus comes and he condemns that fig tree, it's a symbol of what he's doing over here, to, uh, uh, the, what is happening to Israel. See, because Israel's walking away and, and they, they don't have the worship. Yeah, they're going through the form of worship. You see, just because you came to church this morning doesn't mean that you worshiped. That's something that you and God have to figure out, right? I always tell people, you know, going into McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac, does it? And that same thing with going to church doesn't make you a worshiper. It just makes you, well, I went to church. Did you worship this morning? Did you connect with God? Did you, did you, did you come for his presence? Did you come for him or, or did you not? And so that's what happened here. These people, they were going through the motions of worship. They knew how to do the outward conformity of worship, but they did not know how to have this relationship with God. And so he says, here's what's happened. You took this Gentile area. This was the place where all the other nations, like, listen, they could come in. And there was a place that they were to find quietness and to be drawn to God. And what you did was you made it a den of robbers. You came in and you sold lambs at outstandingly high prices. Market price, Right? You notice that when you go to a restaurant now, they're pulling that trick around Pittsburgh. Isn't that a great trick? You know, just go down here to buy a dozen of wings and it's market price. Well, I'm like, I don't need wings anymore. Right. So uh, forgive me. All right. So anyhow, you, you know, it's like that's what was going on. They come in and they were given the market price and they were it was it was usury. It was it was destroying the very reason that the temple was there. And God says, I want my house to be a house of prayer for all the nations. And I want us to catch this this morning because what he's doing here is he's, he's showing us what would happen with Israel, but also in the temple, when he comes into, into the temple, I want us to think about this. When we come into the house of the Lord, have we spent some time in worship to the Almighty? Have we, have we connected with Him? Um, this isn't about, hey, can you buy or sell or what? No, no, no. This is all about, have you forgotten the purpose for why we exist? And it's not just for us, but it's for all the nations. That's why I always encourage people when you come into church, be friendly and say hi to everybody. Because this church is for all nations. Amen? It is for the entire world. When I think of that verse, that it was for all the nations, uh, I can't help but think about just the group of people that I was hanging with. They're over in Nepal. These people have not heard about Jesus. Think about it. How many times did you hear about Jesus before you followed him? These people are living in places where it's illegal to preach Jesus. It's for all nations. There is nobody, there is nobody that is a, a, of, of a particular origin that, that makes you, uh, of a particular heritage that makes you closer to God. It is for all nations. Amen? For everybody. And look here, verse 18, the chief priests and the scribes heard this, and they began seeking how to destroy him. So there it goes. It's the beginning of what you call Holy Week, but it was the beginning of the last week. For they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. When evening came, they would go out of the city. 
And on the way out of the city, as they were passing in the morning, passing by the next morning, this is now Tuesday morning, they saw the fig tree withered up with the roots, withered with the roots up. So it just completely dried up. And Peter, look what Peter does. I love it. Peter always has a word, doesn't he? Have you noticed that? Everywhere. Here goes Peter again. He's going to say something, right? Peter says, Rabbi, look. Some translations pause and put two explanation points right there. Rabbi, look! The fig tree which you cursed has withered. So I want to encourage you to understand something today. If Jesus says something is blessed, you ought to do that, right? If he says something is cursed, you probably shouldn't do that, right? Like you want to stay away from the things that are cursed and you want to live your life to the blessed. Everybody loves when we heard Jesus in the mountain, uh, the, the, the mountain. Sermon on the Mountain, right? The Sermon on the Mount. There you go. Come out finally, right? On the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, right? That was really cool. And you say, man, blessed, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. But I want you to think about this here. Jesus here has cursed this tree. And what he's done is he's talking about unfruitfulness. You see, you were designed to be fruitful, the, the reason that he worked with, the, with Israel as a nation was that they would be fruitful. Uh, in Genesis, he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And, you know, it's not going to go well if we don't bear the fruit, and the fruit has got to be of repentance. You know, if you go back and you look at the ministry of John the Baptist before Jesus came, look over here in Luke chapter 3. We see that John the Baptist is, uh, is sharing with these people uh, some very interesting things about how that how that they are to follow Christ. So he began to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So he says, listen, you guys, you're, you, don't be playing religion again. You brood of vipers, don't you understand? There's something big here. Verse 8, Therefore bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. See, that was very common for the Jewish people. They would say, because of our heritage, we have Father Abraham. Remember? When you were in Sunday school as a kid, you probably sang that. Father Abraham and many sons, right? Right arm, left arm. Yeah, it was a long song. We loved it. It got us out of, out of teaching time, right? For I say to you that these stones God is able to raise up children. I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise children to Abraham. In other words, he says, listen, God is going to do something powerful here. He doesn't need you to be a part of a bloodline to be his follower. He needs you to follow him. And look what he takes. He takes the next step. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, God's created you. You're, as you're a follower of Christ, he's asked you to follow Christ. And that means that you bear fruit. There's fruit that your life will bear. And as your life begins to bear that fruit, it will, it will show. And there, there'll be a season for the leaf. There'll be a season for the fruit. There'll be a season for the, the bray bear fruit. And so as, as the small fruit comes, the, the leaf, and then the larger fruit. And your, your life will go through different cycles. But he says, I want your life to produce fruit. So look how these people were about to be baptized by John. Look what they said. The crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? And look, this is so powerful. He would answer them, and he said, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. 
And he who has food, who has food is to do likewise. So if you have more, you're supposed to help somebody else. This is fruit. He's talking about the fruit, fruit of repentance. He says, and some tax collectors also came to be baptized. They said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And look how he replies. He said to them, collect no more than what you have been ordered to do. Remember, the tax collector would come. If you owed a hundred, he collected a thousand. It was a great business to get into, wasn't it? And, and John says, if you're going to follow God, you've got to change. He doesn't say you've got to change to follow God. He says, if you're following God, that's going to change. Like, like God's not called you just to not produce fruit. He's called you to really get in touch with Him. He's not telling them, here, earn your way to heaven. He says, no, but because you are following, this is what happens. You are turning from this to the Almighty God. And look what happens here, the, last, the next verse, verse 14. He says here, some soldiers were questioning Him, saying, and what about us? What shall we do? Remember the terrible reputation of a soldier in that day. Do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. You see, what he did was he talked to them about the fruit of repentance. He said it's, uh, it, it's time to, to, to let the fruit be known in your life. And, and I want to encourage you today because God has called us to be fruitful Do you realize that? We are called by Christ to be fruitful. Would you read that with me? We are called by Christ to be fruitful. There's two big things in our life. It's faithfulness and fruitfulness. You're faithful. You just keep going. You keep going. You keep going. Fruitfulness is whenever I come and I'm connected to the vine. I'm connected. See, if my roots are going down deep into Jesus Christ. I love the book of Colossians. says about being rooted in Christ. When we are rooted in Christ, now He can produce all this. I don't have to go out and manufacture this stuff. I don't have to go out and say, well, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to make myself be a good person. I get connected to God, and there's a natural fruit. You know, if you go and you plant an apple tree, what happens on the apple tree? Thank you. Two people know what happens on the apple tree. We live next to Trax Farm, and they don't know how this works. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wherever it was, I heard it over here. What happens to the apple when it falls and you don't pick it up? It rots, right? And then there's a seed inside there. What happens to that seed? Unless you go plucking the seedlings, you have a tree next year. And that's what happens because there's a cycle. So God's called us to be fruitful. And so here's what it is. In your life, there's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, Peace, gentleness, kindness. Um, against these things, there is no law. Does my life look like that? Well, I've got to get connected and rooted in Christ. Do I have a problem in life? Yeah, I've got lots of problems. You know how I deal with that? It's not by trying harder, but by getting my roots fixed. And I come back and I spend time in His presence. And I enjoy time with Christ. And I say, okay, God, you've got to change me from the inside. You, inside out, Lord, make me who you want me to be. God wants to see lasting fruit in our lives. John, the book of John. Look at this verse here from the book of John, chapter 15. He, is, he said in this verse, he says, I've chosen you and I've appointed you that you would go out and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain 
so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I've appointed you that you would go out and that your fruit would remain. What are some of the fruit of a follower of Christ? We've got love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. But you know what else? The Scriptures tell us that it's another believer. Like where there's a believer, there's going to be more believers. And so the fruit of your life is going to be, okay, some, you know, when I look back at the end of my life, I should see, man, there was all these Christians that were, were, I came to this town and I lived on this street and there's people that are now Christians there because I lived there. Because the seedlings fall out and because you go out and you do the things that God's called you to do and you spread the good news. And he says, I've appointed you not so that you could just have a nice, comfortable life. So that you can bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Bearing, being fruitful is the way we glorify God. That's how we glorify Him. Let's read that together. Being fruitful is the way we glorify God. And so He's called us to do that. Look at the verse over here from John 15 again. He says this, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be My disciples. I love that. How will we know that you're a disciple? By the fruit in your life. So what's the fruit that's coming out of your life? And I want to encourage you. If you're saying, man, I'm, I don't have fruit. I've got some leaves. I go to church. That, well, that's a leaf. The, the fruit comes out whenever you get in an argument with your wife. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? The fruit comes... Now, we don't argue in our house, so I don't know how that goes. I just lose. No, I'm just kidding. All right, I'll stop there before. Well, it's a good day, right? Uh, and listen, when, when you when you have a discussion, when you when, when you get involved, how about am I sharing the good news of Christ? Am I am I more excited about what Jesus has done on the cross, or am I more depressed over the world around me? Listen, the world is upside down right now. Everybody knows it. They don't need another person to go out and tell them it. They need to tell them that there's only hope is Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. So we get to go out. We get to say, hey, guys, listen, there, have you known Jesus? And I've got to share this with you. I was, I was on, you know, down in Florida. And I'm, I get on the airplane. We buy the cheapest tickets you can find. You know, I just, I hate paying for anything. Yellow on a plane ticket, right? So we got the cheapest ticket we could find. So we're on Southwest. And there's three. I didn't know this, but if you have to, like, check in as soon as they tell you to check in. Or you're the last person on the plane. And they don't assign the seats. So it's, it's like really crazy. So what it means is by the time my wife and I get on, there's only middle seats left. And it, when you see somebody like me coming down now, they're looking like saying, my purse is on that chair, you know. <laughs> on the way down, I sat like this between two other guys like me. And we didn't say a word. We couldn't. We could barely breathe. You know what I'm saying? So we, but we had a mask on. And it was a wonderful experience. I'm like, <laughs> so coming back, I said I'm going to sign up a little bit earlier. And, and we weren't the last one on, but we still weren't on enough to be able to get two seats together, or an aisle seat or a window. So my wife's coming on. She sees a room with um, two smaller people, and they're looking at me. They're like, no. I said, yes, my wife said I have to. So I sit down there. We got our mask on. And the lady next to me just loved to talk. And talk. 
And she was a really cool lady. And we're talking for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. And I'm on that plane. I'm saying, Lord, I know you've got a plan here. What is the plan? And so I, I just feel in the Spirit of God. Now, this is what happens. Apple trees bear apples. Christians bear Christians. I'm on the plane, and I'm like, I don't know if I can get a word in here. So as the plane's coming down, you know, I got my mask on. I'm like, wah, 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 wah. And I said, hey, we started talking about church. And I said, if you were to die today. Now, that's a fun question to ask somebody on a plane. <laughs> just tell you. I don't even like talking about it on a plane. If you were to die today, do you know that you go to heaven? And I said, if Jesus were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And this lady looked at me and said, that's a really good question. And so I proceeded to tell her that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus, and you can be a good person. And we're coming in for landing. And you know what happens when they come in for landing? You hear the engines. So I think the whole airplane heard this discussion. And we're talking about Jesus. And, and, and so we get on the ground. I, I, you know, and I, typically I have, if I would have had another hour in the flight, I could have finished this conversation, right? Or even 15 more minutes. But it's time to get up. And I'm looking. I don't even have a gospel track on me or nothing like that. So I gave her my card. I said, look us up. And, and I planted the seed. And you know what happens? Some plant, some water, and other will bear the harvest. So I got to do planting the other day. And I planted the seed, and I said, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And that you don't have to be a good person to get into heaven, although you are probably a better person than I am. But that won't get you there. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And all you have to do is trust him. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and you know what was going on that whole time that I was in the air? I pray all the time on an airplane. Whether I'm talking to somebody about Christ or not, I just pray. And then, uh, and then I'm praying about this discussion. I'm looking, Lord, could, could you give me the opportunity? Could you give me the opportunity? And Jesus gave us here, as we wrap up this passage here, he gave us the key to fruitfulness. And here it is. Check this out. After he condemned the, uh, the, whole, the, uh, the whole deal there, he says this. And Jesus answered them saying, verse 22, Jesus answered them saying, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, this is Luke um, chapter 11, verse 22. I've jumped all over the place today. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Then he continues on. He says, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. And verse 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you, if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. So you've got to forgive other people. And he takes it a step further, verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. And so what he does here is he gives us the, the prescription for fruitfulness. 
He condemned fruitlessness. We saw him overturn the tables. And so you have this sandwich in the Scripture. It's awesome how they put it together. You've got one, two, three things in this little paragraph. And like you can miss it if if, if you're not careful. But he says this. He's telling us a little bit about prayer. He says the way to be fruitful in prayer is to, number one, have faith in God. You've got to have faith in God. The, the fact that you, do, that, that you come before the Lord, you've got to understand, pray without doubting God's power and His goodness. Say that with me. Pray without doubting God's power and goodness. See, when you come to the Lord, many times we're distraught by the things that we're seeing. God says, don't be distraught by the things that we're seeing. Be, be, be confident of what you cannot see, of who He is. God's power in His goodness. Secondly, He says here to pray without uh, pray with an acceptance that God's power can accomplish what you ask. Pray with an acceptance. Ask God, you know, when you're coming before Him, Lord, I accept that Your power, You can accomplish whatever we ask. So, Lord, I'm coming to You and I'm asking You to do this. And then, thirdly, He says to pray without grudges. You know, and I find that most people like to say, hey, I'd like to tell the mountain to move from here to there, but they don't want to go to their neighbor and say, I'm sorry. And so this is what God says. He says, listen, come to me free and clear, and I will do whatever it is necessary to produce fruit in your life. I want to close in prayer this morning. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you come before the Lord and just honor him today? Would you thank him for who he is? And would you just have faith in him and say, Lord, I need you to produce that fruit in my life. God, only you can produce this fruit. I need you to do that. God, I believe your goodness is greater than all the problem that I have. God, I believe that your, your power is greater than all the power that I have. So, God, I'm, I'm humble. I'm broken. I'm giving you my request. Lord, for the person in my family that needs Christ. Lord, remove the mountains so that they can find Jesus. Lord, for this, this, this issue, maybe you're dealing with a crisis. Lord, remove this mountain so that we can see your power and goodness in our lives. Father God, be with each person as we respond to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your name we pray. Amen.
behalf of Crossroads, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. For those of you joining us online and those in the auditorium, go in peace this morning. You are dismissed. dark room in silence fuel imagination tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name the winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley your presence surrounds me the crickets sing and trees ring and i want to let you know that river water runs steady flow and it flows free and in control your hand leaves its evidence all on this earth as i lay here and ponder on all creation you made it all i'm just dreaming empty room but my thoughts are gone cuz i'm in
funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend how 